Yeah, you can. Good morning. Good to see you this morning. I pray that you have had a good week, uh, a good beginning to 2021, something that I know that many of us have been looking forward to for a, a long period of time. If you have your Bibles with you, let me invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6 this morning. We are going to begin here for the month of January, a one-month series where we are just simply going to work through Matthew chapter 6. We're going to go through this entire chapter and, uh, and see some teachings of Jesus. If you're not familiar with the context of Matthew chapter 6, this is the Sermon on the Mount that I believe probably the most famous sermon that's ever been preached. And so Jesus is here. He's, he's preaching to a, a group of people that have gathered, a pretty large group, uh, some that are planning to be his disciples, some that are not, that might just be interested to hear what this man is going to say. It's not quite a recruitment drive. As Jesus is speaking to a pretty large crowd early in his ministry, you might think this would be a good opportunity for almost a recruitment drive, but that's, that's not what we see because you'll notice as we go through chapter 6, and if you're familiar with the Sermon on the Mount, there's a lot of teaching where Jesus is saying, uh, these are the expectations of the world. These are the expectations of religious people. These are the expectations that I have, though, and they are always higher. Jesus' expectations of his followers are always higher. His standards are always greater than those of the world. So as we look at Matthew chapter 6, I do want to say thank you uh, to Brother Randall Lofton for setting us up with a heater this morning. It does not feel as cold out here as you might think it does. So, brother, thank you very much for thinking about us in that way. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Jesus said, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Now, I stop here for just a moment we're going to look at a, at a few more verses, but, but verse 1 is really like an introductory verse. It's kind of a thesis statement that's going to carry on for three weeks. Three weeks for us, not three weeks in Jesus' preaching. But, but it's going to cover all of Matthew 6, uh, verses 2 through 18, are all going to be covered under this one thesis statement. Jesus is going to give us several things that he refers to as practicing righteousness and he's going to tell us how to do them how to properly do these things today what we're going to see is how to properly give to needy people we're also going to see how to properly pray we're going to see how to properly fast but this thesis statement covers all of them and the, the fact that one of the main ways that we go about doing those things properly is to not do them as public spectacles not to do them, as he says, in order to be seen by other people, but in order to do them, we do them in secret. But I want to talk for just a moment about that idea in general of practicing your righteousness. Or another good translation of it is, is doing righteousness. Now, righteousness is not something that we often think of as a practice or something that you do. We think of righteousness as something that we have, something that we obtain through faith in Jesus Christ, and it absolutely is. If you say 
that righteousness is something that we are given whenever we come to faith in Jesus Christ, right? We are made righteous. We are given Christ's righteousness, uh, and that is secured for us because of his death and resurrection and our faith in him. You are absolutely correct. We have obtained righteousness if we have faith in Jesus Christ. We are seen as completely right in the eyes of the Father. But we see here and in other texts that although righteousness is something that we have through faith in Christ, it's also something that we are supposed to do. There is a practical side to righteousness. Now, R.T. France, a scholar that I read this week talking about this text, he defines practicing righteousness or doing righteousness this way. Conduct which God expects of his people. I think that's a very good, simple definition for us. What does it mean to practice righteousness? What does it mean to do righteousness? It means doing the things that God expects us as his people to do. That's simple. Doing the things that God expects us to do. So point one this morning, as disciples of Christ, there are certain things that we are expected to to do. There's some, we're not going to see all of them in the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to see some of them, but there are certain things that we are expected to do if we are Christ's followers. So let's look at the first one here, verses 2 through 4, giving to the needy. How do you properly give to the needy in order that you are practicing righteousness? says, Jesus continued, thus when you give to the needy, Sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So here we see Jesus lays down how we are to give to the needy properly. So Three things that I want to see from this text. The first thing is that we are expected to give to the needy. It will be short and simple, but I want to see that. I also want us to see that we're not supposed to make a spectacle when we do it. And then the last thing I want to see is why I believe this text shows us or tells us that is important. Not only that we're supposed to do it, not only how we're to do it, but why it's important that we do it that way. So the first point we are expected to give to the needy. Now, in verse 2, that's not really a, a teaching imperative. That's not a forceful thing where Jesus is, is making this part of the teaching. But I do want to point out that in verse 2 he says, Thus, when you give to the needy. right? It's not if you give to the needy, but when you give to the needy. So Jesus is speaking to people that would give to needy people. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and it's clear that this is an expectation that he has. Jesus expects his people to be generous. Jesus expects that his people would give to needy people. If nothing else, even if we didn't have this teaching, earlier in this same sermon, if you look back just a little bit, in chapter 5, verse 42, Jesus said, Give to the one who begs from you. And do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. And that's here in the same sermon with the same context. And even if we didn't have that, we have the example of Christ, right? If I'm trying to do righteousness, then I should try and 
follow the example of the only one that's ever lived a completely righteous life. And Jesus was extremely generous. And Jesus gave to people that, was, that were needy. So point two, I don't want to make more of it than I need to because I think we understand it. Disciples of Christ are expected to be generous. Disciples of Christ are expected to be generous. We are expected to give to the needy. All right, so how do we go about doing that? Not the way that other people do it. Verse 2, thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. So he says here, you know, he's speaking, right? You have to picture again, this isn't just written word. This is Jesus speaking. So Jesus is speaking to these people, and he's speaking to people that had seen this done before. That is clear from the way that this is spoken, that Jesus says, look, you know how the hypocrites go about doing this. You've seen them in the streets, you've seen them in the synagogues, and they give this much, and then they tell everybody, I gave this much. Or they give this much, and then they ask that it would be announced that they gave this much. They make it a spectacle when they give. And so it's likely that these people hearing this, that these disciples, that these other people, that maybe this is their, how their parents and grandparents gave, that this is how their religious leaders gave. Maybe this is how they had given in the past. But Jesus says, don't do like that. Let me give you the negative example first. You've seen how the other people do it, the people that he refers to here as hypocrites. Don't be like them. So how then are we to do it? Because that's difficult for us as well. We live in a society that really likes to praise people for giving to the needy. There are individuals and there are organizations and there are businesses that have built their entire reputation of being philanthropic around how much they give and announcing how much they give and having other people announce how much they give. And whenever your friends and coworkers are posting on Facebook about how much they gave to this, or when you're sitting around the dinner table and your friends and coworkers and family are talking about how much they gave to this, it's difficult to not want to jump in there as well. Whenever you see everybody else posting about how much they've done, it, you, I, our hearts, we want to show how much we've done. We want to tell how much we've done so everybody can be proud of us as well. That's what these people were dealing with. But Jesus says... Just because everybody else doesn't. Just because the religious leaders do it does not make it okay. Do not do like they have. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. And then in verse 3, he tells us how to do it. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So we see here clearly that we shouldn't make a spectacle, we shouldn't make a public display, we shouldn't make a Facebook post, we shouldn't put it on Instagram. What we should do is give in secret, not even letting our left hand know what our right hand is doing. Point three, when we give, we shouldn't make a spectacle of it. And I know that's hard and I know that's difficult, but it's what we're called to do. And even in a society that loves to do that, 
we should refrain from doing that. Last thing I want to say, we see that we should give. We see that we should give in secret. Now the last thing I want to say is, why is that important? Why is it such a big deal that Jesus is taking time in this most important sermon that he's, that, that he's that, or at least the most well-known sermon, let me say, that he's going to preach? Why is he taking time in this sermon to specifically tell us how to give to the needy and that we should do it in secret? And I see at least three reasons here why this is a big deal. I'm going to go through them quickly. The first reason why it's a big deal that you and I give in secret is because it's what Christ told us to do. And we can put a period there, we can put an exclamation mark there, but I think we should be able to be done there. But Zach, why is it a big deal that I should give in secret and not make a public spectacle and not make a post and not brag about it? Why is it a big deal? The first reason is because that's what Jesus told you to do. And as Jesus' disciples, if we are truly Jesus' disciples, that should be enough. But we also want to do it because we want our giving to honor our Father and not us. And that's the second reason. First reason, because Christ told us to. Second reason, we want our giving to honor our Father and not us. And I would be clear that it's going to be one or the other. If people are praising you for what you have done, then they are not praising the Father. I know that there's the idea that, that we can do our good deeds so that people will see them and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. But if people are only looking at you, if you are making such a public display of your giving that people are only looking at you, then they are not looking at the Father. They are not honoring the Father because of it. Then they are honoring you. And that is not a competition that we want to get in. We do not want to try and put ourselves above or before God. And we want our giving to honor our Father. The other thing I would say is if you want your giving to honor the Father, then you have to give the way that the Father has called you to. You can't say, yes, I'm going to do something to please God, but I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to make sure that my name is more well known because of my giving, but I still want it to be for God. It doesn't work. I'm going to give how much I want to who I want in the way that I want, but I'm still wanting it to honor the Father. No, if you want it to honor the Father, then you have to do it the way that the Father tells you to do it. I think about this idea very often. Whenever couples come to me or reach out to me to ask if I would uh, oversee, if I would be part, if I would officiate their wedding ceremony, I always send them, the first thing I send them is a, a document that I have typed up. And in that document, there are different things, but, but one thing that there's a good bit of is Scripture and these different stipulations, that they're, they're these criteria that this couple must meet in order to be married. And so as you go through there, it might look pretty tedious. They can't be living together before they're married unless they're willing to separate and repent of that sin. That it can't be that they have been previously divorced on unbiblical grounds. It can't be that this are two men wanting to marry one another or two women wanting to marry one another or three people wanting to get married in some ceremony of that nature. It can't be. And you go through all that and you say, Brother Zach, why do you have all of these stipulations? Some of these aren't even legal, right? Legally, two men can marry one another. 
Legally, you can be living together. Legally, they may not care how many times you've been divorced or for what reasons you've been divorced. So, Brother Zach, why is it such a big deal to you? And I always explain to couples that if you don't meet these criteria, I'm not telling you that you cannot be legally married. It's not what I'm telling you. If you want to be legally married, you can go see a justice of the peace if you don't meet the biblical grounds. But what I am doing is trying to lead people, not just to be legally married, I'm trying to lead people to enter into holy matrimony, marriage done God's way, which means you have to follow the biblical standards for marriage. God says this is what marriage is and should be. This is who should be married, and these are the situations where you shouldn't be married. Right? A believer and a non-believer should not be married. And so it's a big deal. If you want to enter into marriage God's way, then you have to do it God's way. And in the same way, if you're here, if you're on Facebook and you're listening this morning and you're not a Christian and you have no respect for Christ and, and what he says means nothing to you, then you can give however you want to give. If you want to give and make a spectacle of it and make a PDF document and distribute it among the people that live in your neighborhood so they'll think you're great, go and do that. But if you want your giving to be an act of righteousness, if you want your giving to honor your Father, then I think we have to think about this teaching, and we have to think about that text that Brother Shane read in the opening, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And if you want your giving to bring glory to God, then you have to give the way Christ tells you to give. And Christ says, when you give, do it in secret. So we have to do it in secret. Point four, when we give, we should do it to honor God above all else. Our giving shouldn't, yes, it should help other people, and we should want to help other people. Absolutely. But it should be chiefly done, I would argue this morning, in order to honor our Father. The very last reason, right? We should give, we should give in secret, we should do it because Christ told us to. We should do it because we want to honor our Father. The last thing, if our giving is done improperly, we will not receive a reward from our Father. If our giving is done improperly, we will not receive a reward. If you want to see it on the other side, half glass full, same thing. If you give properly, you will receive a reward. Look again in Matthew 6. Verses 3 and 4, But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Brother Zach, if I do it in secret, nobody will know. That is not true. If you do it in secret, the Father will still know. And there, you could go into a whole devotion about this, right? Whatever you do in secret, the Father still sees, but it's not the point of this text. When you give in secret, the Father still sees because he sees everything and he knows everything. And when you give properly, he will reward you. Right? There's reward for doing it improperly, but the reward is simply the praise of other people. That's what he says. He says, those hypocrites that, that sound an alarm for everybody to know, they have already received their reward. It's done. It's over. Nothing else is coming. But when you give in secret, the Father 
will reward you. Now, exactly when, exactly how, exactly what is not laid out here, and that's difficult for some people. Some people read this text, and those are some of the first questions they want to ask. Brother Zach, what will the reward be? I do not know. I can't tell you that. And so for some people that's hard because they know how much praise they receive for bragging about their giving. But they say, well, if I knew that this is my choice on one hand or this is the reward that God offers on the other, I could weigh them out and compare them and choose. But brothers and sisters, let me stop you right there and just tell you. Even though I don't know what reward God offers, I know this, there will be no comparison between what God offers and the simple praise of men here on earth for a little while. Why? How can I say that so confidently? Well, think about this. We're talking about God Almighty, who while we were enemies of His, while we were lost sinners, rebelling against Him, doing what we wanted to, even then... He loved us enough that He gave His very own Son in order to redeem us from our sins, right? God sent His Son to die as an offering to save His enemies. Because while we were sinners, while we were lost, we were enemies of God. He gave His Son as a gift, as an offering for His enemies. So what type of reward do you think He's going to offer to His children? Brothers and sisters, if we have faith in Jesus Christ, if we have come and made him Lord over our life, then we are now God's children. We have been adopted into his family. And so when he says, I have reward for you, and he's speaking to his children, brothers and sisters, you don't have to ask what the reward is. I'm just telling you, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be so worth it. So when he says, if you do this properly... There will be reward. There should be great motivation for you and for me to do that thing properly. Point five, the last point. When we give God's way, God sees and God will reward. When we give God's way, God sees and God will reward. I have a good picture of this in my mind because there are a lot of nights. happened just last night. We're sitting at the dinner table. And I, I tell one of our kids, listen, you need to eat. Uh, last night it was green beans. You need to eat your green beans because if you do, you're going to get dessert. Now, I tell them that, and I rarely ever tell them what dessert is. All I say is eat your blank so that you can have dessert. But they know this. I love them and I care for them, so I'm not lying to them. And they know that I love them and I care them and I care for them and I know what they like. And so whatever the dessert that I'm offering is, they know it's going to be worth it. And they even cheer each other on. Last night I told one of them, I said, uh, you need to eat your green beans. And the rest of them are telling, eat, yes, eat them because you want the dessert. You want what daddy's offering. And brothers and sisters, I'm telling you the same thing this morning. It's the proper thing to do for us to give in secret. But that God would offer us a reward for doing what is proper. How generous God is. How good God is. And I'm, I'm encouraging you this morning. If you haven't been doing this, do it because you want the reward that's coming. You want to be part of this. Follow the example of Jesus. Who offered himself for us when we didn't deserve it. 
be generous. Be willing to do the things that God has called us to do. So this morning, I pray that if you have been doing this, if you've been giving but you haven't been doing it properly, that you would make your giving not just something to help others, but you would make it an act of righteousness. You would make it part of practicing righteousness, of doing what is expected of you, number one, because it's expected of you, but number two, because when you do it the right way, there will be reward. If y'all would pray with me this morning. Father, what a reminder that you are a good and generous God, that you've given us so much more than we deserve, that you've given us your Son, and that through him you've given us abundant life now and the promise of eternal life to come. Lord, you've given us righteousness. You've taken away our sins. God, you have done so many things for us. And Lord, I pray that we as your children would want to follow in your footsteps, that we would want to be generous, that we would want to give to people that are in need. But Father, I also pray that we as your children would want to honor you and so we'd want to do it properly. Lord, you are so very clear with us in this text that your plan for our giving is that we would give to people that are needy and that we would do it in secret. So Father, I pray that we don't second guess that, but we simply say this is what my Father expects, so this is what I'm going to do. Lord, on top of that, your promise to give us reward. Your promise that it doesn't go unnoticed, but that you see everything that we do. Father, what a good reminder for our hearts. I pray that we would give, and that we would give generously, and that we would give joyfully, and that we would give in secret. That your name would be praised, that you would be honored, that we would bring glory to you, the one that deserves it. And Father, that we'd be following in your footsteps. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to give. Thank you for giving us enough that we could give to others. Help us to be good stewards of the things that you have given to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.